Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for the message you hear today is that it will inspire you and encourage you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, please check us out at CVC Madera, both on Facebook and Instagram. And you can check out our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church. Thanks for listening. We're continuing in our Bible reading plan series as we're reading through the scripture uh, throughout the entire year, and um, how many of you are still doing that? All right. I encourage you to keep going. I encourage you, if you haven't or you had a pause, I encourage you to pick that Bible right back up and continue reading uh, because there's, there is a profound life that comes through the Word of God. Amen? And we want to continue to submit our lives to the Word of God. And as we've been reading through this series, uh, we've been in the, uh, in the Psalms a lot this last week. How many of you probably, but this is the most psalms you've read consecutively, maybe your entire life, right? We've been reading a lot of the psalms, and the reason why we're reading a lot of the psalms is because um, we're, we're reading the Bible chronologically. And as stories present themselves, uh, since we know that David wrote a, a large amount of the psalms, we get to look at the psalms as we're reading about his life and his story, and we can get a little bit of an in-depth into where his heart was, where his mind was, what he thought about what God was doing and what he thought about God himself as we're reading about these crazy things that are happening through his life, right? I mean, he's on the run from a king that he served and is loyal to, and the king is trying to kill him. He's hiding in caves. He's having to do all of these things. He's running around, and we're getting to hear where his heart was in those moments that we're reading about what's happening in his own life. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing that we, uh, as we're reading through the Psalms, the, these, these group, the groupings of poems that David wrote as he is walking through this journey. And I love the Psalms, and the reason I love the Psalms is because they're so full of honest and raw emotions from David. It helps me recognize that I can be real about who I am, about where I'm at in my life and what I'm feeling that God is doing or not doing. Upon somebody, you ever felt like God's not doing something that you want him? But you can't tell people that, you know, can't be honest. Sometimes we feel like we, we, we have to put on a front. You know what I'm saying? Come on, can we be honest? Maybe there's something that you're wanting God to do in your life or there's something that you want something to shift in you and yet it's not happening and you're praying and then people say, how are you? Like, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. But you don't feel that way, right? You don't feel that way. And sometimes it's important for us to read the Psalms because David, honest with who he is and where he's at, can say at the beginning, I love something, and I really thought about, it's hard to debate which psalm I was going to preach today. It's hard to debate which one I was going to read and, and, and preach through because there's so many great ones there. But uh, there's a couple that I wanted to read through, and I'm not going to preach through those today. But it's just a beautiful picture because at the beginning of the psalm, he's like, where are you? Don't abandon me. Don't leave me alone. Defend me. You're my refuge. You're my strength. And at, by the end of it, he's saying, faithful and true are you, God. Your love is never ending. Your joy comes in the morning. It's a beautiful process of our hearts as we say, God, where are you? But even in the midst of me not feeling you, I still believe that you're faithful and true. I love that about the Psalms. And what I'm going to read through uh, in this Psalm that we're going to be going through this morning is Psalm 19. And out of all the Psalms that we read this week, this one really jumped out to me and really began to speak to my heart and wanting me to go a little deeper and help us to go a little deeper 
uh, this morning as we draw closer to God and desire to know his mercy and his love and his grace. My prayer for us is that we would be people who are deeply in love with Jesus, so much more in love with him that the world and what the world has to offer is trash compared to the love of Jesus in us. I want us to be a people who are so passionate about God that, that uh, whatever the world throws at us, we can say, you don't know what I have. And it's far greater than you could ever, whatever you can offer me or whatever you can do for me. I have Jesus. Amen. So I believe this is what the psalm is going to speak to us today. So if you have your Bibles or your Version Bible app on your smartphone, you can open that up now. Uh, if you have the Version, you can click on that, click on uh, more than events, and you'll have Central Valley Church come up, and you'll have our, our notes that are live uh, with the, the scripture there and some points that we're going to be walking through as well, as well as the questions that we'll go through in community groups this week. And so we're going to be looking at this this morning. If you have the psalm, say, I do. All right. If you don't have it, say, hold up. Hold up. All right. We got one. Hold up. Online, let us know. Say, I got it in the comment section right now, in the chat section. Say, I got it. So we can read this together. I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase the first six verses, and then we're gonna jump in at verse seven. But really, what we see in the first six verses of Psalm 19 uh, is David declaring how creation speaks loudly about the glory of God. David, when he was a young boy, right? My dad talked about it this morning about the shepherd who became a king, and the the connection that we have of Jesus, our shepherd king, he's the, he's the shepherd, John, John chapter 10, who also is our king. And David, as a young boy, was a shepherd, and he would be out amongst the flock in the wilderness, and he would see the beauty that is in the wilderness and out in, in the, just the outdoors, and he would say, truly there is a creator, and the creation speaks of the glory of the creator. See, uh, a little side note here, but kids, go outside a little bit. Be, out, be outside and enjoy nature. Uh, parents, take your kids on hikes and take them to the lake and let them see the, the glory of God's creation. I mean, we were just a little bit away from Yosemite. Take them out there and say, you think this was an accident? No, truly there is a creator who spoke this into existence to reveal his glory. I remember growing up, and my dad would take us to the beekeeper. No, no shock there. I talk about it every Sunday. But he would take us out, and, uh, you know, at eight years old, he, you know, can you talk to me? He said, I want to hire you at eight years old. It was a very sweet conversation. I said, what's the pay like, you know? Um, but he, <laughs> but he, he said, We're gonna, I'm going to take you out. You're going to work with me. I didn't know this, that he was actually doing that so he could spend time with us. I thought it was torture because he loved us. But what we would do is I didn't really help, right? We would go check the bees, and I didn't know what I was looking for, so I would just go check the flowers and pick them. You know, I'd walk around as my dad. We were up in the foothills, and I would walk in. And go down valleys and little hill, hillsides, and uh, and I would witness the, the 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 beauty of creation. And I think even at an early age, I began to see the glory and the wonder of God in creation. And David says in the first six verses of Psalm how creation declares the glory of God, and it does. It does. And so he begins to talk about it and how beautiful, how brilliant our Creator is. As he speaks, not only did he did David see the glory of God in creation, 
He also studied scripture. They did this in their culture, even at a, a very young age. They, they taught the young men, especially, about the word of God. And he read the word of God. And as he studied scripture and, and what God had for the, his people, the nation of Israel, through the books of the law, and he witnessed in, cult, in, 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 in the creation, he saw the glory and the splendor of God, and he begins to write about it. He says that in the word of God, he sees that God's grace is declared, and in creation, his glory is made known. We've been reading through the Bible in a year, not so that we can brag about being people who read the Bible in a year. Not right, we're not going to, like, after the whole church reads through the Bible, we're not. We're going to put a sign, on, uh, uh, like a, a thing up on the, our sign outside, and be like, this is a church who reads the Bible. We've got people who read it through, you know, like, look at us. It's not so we can brag or we can boast or be proud or arrogant in, our, in some type of accomplishment that we can check off that we did it. No, we believe that the word of God is transformative. We believe that the word of God breathes life. We, we believe that the word of God sets us free when we get to know him. We believe that the only way that we can know God is if he reveals himself to us and he does that through scripture. And we want to know him more so we read the word of God so that we can know him more. Amen. So we read this together, and we begin to see what, what David says in this psalm, in, in chapter, or Psalm 19, of what he speaks about the, what the word of God is and what it does for us. So starting in verse 7, after we've recapped how the creation declares the glory of God, now he begins to speak about the word of God or the law of God in verse 7. He says this, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. How many of you need... You need to be refreshed today. How many of you need to be revived today? And that's what one other translation says. It refreshes, it revives our soul. As we take in the word of God into us, it revives us and refreshes us. Maybe, perhaps, if you're, if you're walking through something right now and you feel drained and beat down, can I encourage you to, to continue to read the word of God because it will be a, it will be a refreshing river of life to you. It will breathe life and joy back into you. He, he continues to say in verse 7, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. How many of us need wisdom today? How many of us are still simple today? <laughs> right? But he makes the simple wise. How? By his word. By knowing his word, by reading his scripture, it gives you wisdom that you did not have. And he speaks to us. Verse 8 says, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to our hearts. How many of you need joy today? We need joy every day, don't we? His precepts, his laws, his statutes, what, what has been given. And, and mind you, David is talking about the first five books of our Bible. David did not have what we have today. So how much more how much more life by God in our lives? We need joy. We need to be a people of joy. Our world happiness. It's good for a moment. Gone. Joy lasts. Joy found even in the midst of your struggle and, and, and of your pain. Hello, somebody. Joy is more permanent and lasting than happiness. And we need joy today. And we need to be a people. 
recognized by our joy. David continues to write in the psalm, in verse 8, the commands of the Lord are radiant, come on, giving light to our eyes. What does that mean? In another place it says that the word of God is like a lamp to our feet, lights up our path. Are you needing direction today? Are you needing to know what God is desiring of you and where he wants to take you? The word of God lights that up. It opens your eyes. It is a light to your life. It will, it will be radiant to your heart, give you a direction to follow. Verse 9 says, the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. This kind of uh, fear that the Bible is talking about is a, is a fear that is, shows reverence or honor. It recognizes the clout or the magnitude of God, recognizing that he is ultimate. Fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. See, the Word of God helps us see and understand God's sovereignty and power, that it is a good thing and it is a pure thing. God is in control. So we can, we can rest secure knowing that God knows the end from the beginning, and it is a pure thing. It is clean. It is holy. Amen? It is a good thing for us to have the fear of the Lord in our hearts. Reverence, honor. I think about children that don't have a healthy respect and fear of their parents. How would we, how would we describe those kind of kids? Brats, right? We don't want to be brats of God. We want to be children of God who listen, honor, obey, and have a holy reverence and fear for him. It is pure. It is clean. It is holy. Verse 9 continues, David says, The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous, meaning that they are strong and solid. You can depend on them. They're not going anywhere. They're not changing from one day to the next. God doesn't move the goalposts on us. He doesn't say, this is what I require of you, and then never mind, now I require this of you. Never mind, I require something else of you. No, they are firm, they are secure, and they are righteous. They are right, meaning they are right. They lead us into right relationship with God. And in verse 10, David says, they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey. Come on, somebody. Sweeter, we know what, how good honey is. We, we certainly know how beautiful and how sweet and wonderful honey is, even from the honeycomb. And yet God is so much sweeter and so much greater. Do you know a God who is sweet? His love is sweet. His love is kind. Maybe some of you came in here with heaviness on you. Maybe there's stuff that you've been doing that you know you shouldn't be doing, and yet 
God is saying, I want to be sweet to you. I'm not here to beat you. I'm not here to scold you. I'm here to show you my sweetness. And the Bible would say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Some of us need to be tasting him instead of tasting other things. So David, the psalm in this psalm is saying how creation and the word of God declare the glory and grace of God. And then as we move into verse 11 through the end, we see that David now is asking God to give him his grace and preserve his life as David submits his life to the word of God. Verse 11 says, by them, he's speaking about God's holy word, by his scripture, by his ordinances, and by his statutes, your servant is warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. Your servant is warned. So what does this mean? As we submit our lives, and as we've been walking through this year, reading God's word, we are submitting our lives to his word, and we are being warned of things that would bring our, our destruction and as we keep them and honor them, it brings us great reward. David was speaking about how Scripture, as it reveals to us who Jesus is, we recognize we receive the reward of Jesus. See, some people talk about a, a, a heavenly reward, and it, which is eternal life with Christ, and that is the reward that he gives us then. But we have the reward of Jesus now. We have his spirit now. And as we submit our hearts to his word and we allow the word of God to transform us, his reward is his, our reward is his spirit in us, walking with us, our great companion and friend. Some of you, maybe you're wrestling with loneliness. Maybe you're wrestling with, with uh, feeling isolated and unworthy. And God would say, come and let me be your reward today. Come, let me speak life into you today. I am closer than a brother or a sister. I long to be with you. I long for you to know my embrace and to hear my voice. As we submit, this is why we read the word of God, church, not so that we can brag about it, not so that you can just quote scripture that you have memorized and so that people can say, wow, but so that you can receive the reward of his spirit and his presence with you every day because the world wants to isolate you, push you away and make you feel like you're worth nothing. But in Jesus' eyes, you're worth everything because he gave his life for you. None of this is in my notes, by the way. God is wanting to speak to someone specifically this morning about what you're struggling with. He, he wants you to know that he sees you and your life is not worthless or meaningless. And we would rebuke the lie of the enemy over you right now. We bind those lies in the name of Jesus, and we speak truth to you. See, David, as he begins to describe God's word and how it warns and instructs us, he begins to move into verse 12, where we're going to spend the rest of our time speaking of these things. Chris, could you bring the whiteboard up here behind me, please? Because... One of the benefits, David talks about how the word of God warns us and it instructs us. One of the benefits of knowing him is that the Holy Spirit is here not only to comfort us, but also to convict us and to correct us. A, a parent that, that never corrects their child is not a really good parent. That parent really doesn't love their child. 
if they're unwilling to correct them. Would you agree? Because we don't want our children growing up and living miserable, horrible lives until we try to give them direction. And the Word of God does that. And David, as he has been talking about about the um, about how Scripture instructs and warns and brings life and is a reward to us, he begins to tell us in verse 12, and I'm going to write out some words that we're going to highlight, and I think they'll be on the backboard too. But the first one he says this, but who can discern their own errors? Can you say errors? David's saying, hey, as you come to the word of God, you, you, there's going to be things in your life and you don't know even how to discern if you're doing right or wrong yet. But the word of God's going to speak to you and give you direction. He says, who can discern his own errors? Then he says, declare me innocent from hidden faults. Can you say hidden faults? Hidden faults. Then he begins to say, keep your servant also from willful sins. Can you say willful sins? Or presumptuous? I'm reading from the new uh, the uh, NIV this morning, so maybe some of these aren't lining up. He says, keep your servant from willful sins that they may not rule over me or have dominion over me. Can you say rule over? And lastly, he says, then I will be blameless and innocent of great transgression, or then, I'll, then I shall, uh, shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Can you say great transgression? David is describing the progression we go through if we are unwilling to submit our hearts to God's word. He is describing that if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to bring transformation in you as you give your life to his word, then progressively as you are walking through life, if you're not uh, being willing to submit and walk humbly, then these things begin to walk out. I'm going to walk out this verse for us and see how it lays out what David is saying. If we choose not to walk in right relationship with God and submit the Bible uh, to our, our submit our lives to the word of God and allow it to cause us to live righteously or to live in right standing with God and others. And the first one is this is errors, right? See, when you first come to Jesus, you're going to commit a lot of errors. You're the, we, we used to say in the church, you are a babe in Christ. And we're not talking about my wife, okay? We're talking about people who are, she didn't like that. Um, we're talking about people who are brand new to the faith. And as you're brand new to the faith, there are things that you're learning and you didn't realize, oh, I, I, I'm not supposed to do that, or I'm not supposed to think that, or I'm not supposed to wear that, or I'm not supposed to 
drink that. I'm not supposed to, right? And you begin to walk through this process, but you're making errors just like a baby does who is growing up. Come on, parents of uh, little ones, you know. Right? We're trying to, we're, tr- we're potty training Griffin, our two-and-a-half-year-old, and he's pretty good. He's almost there, but sometimes he has accidents. Sometimes he pees in his pants. And I tell him, where are you supposed to pee? He says, the toilet. Trying to get him to say toilet, but it's a work in progress. He knows it, but he's still committing some of these errors. He's learning to have control. He's learning what it looks like, right? Children, as they're beginning to learn how to walk, they fall down a lot. You get them back up, and the child doesn't fall, and you're like, wow, I knew you couldn't do it, right? I can tell by the way you're pigeon-toed, kid. You're just not going to walk well. Just forget it, right? You don't. You don't beat them up. You say, hey, get up. Keep coming. Keep going. David is saying, who can discern their errors? He's saying, without the word of God speaking into our lives, we will continue to live in error. But as we come to Christ and we allow the word of God to speak to us, now he gives us discernment from what is right and wrong. See, this church is a safe place if you're a new believer to come You can still make mistakes, and we're not going to judge you. We're going to help you. We're going to pick you back up and say, hey, keep going. Keep going. You fell down? Let's stand up. You tripped up? That's all right. We're with you. Let's do this together. That's why community groups are so important, because we encourage people to do this together. Because if you're not in a group of people who are speaking life into you, and you mess up, and you fall down, no one's going to be there to help pick you up, and you're going to get isolated and say, I can't do this. I'm not a real believer. I'm, 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 I'm not doing it. But we're here to say, hey, have you made an error? You don't know, let us pick you up. And we're going to continue to speak truth to you, and we're going to continue to present the word of God to you because it convicts and corrects and, and, and puts us in the right direction. It helps us more like, become more like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, transforming our lives. So we speak truth, even though it might be difficult or hard to receive, because we don't want to continue to walk in error. Amen? But then David continues... And he, and he begins to speak about hidden faults. See, as we learn more about God and we spend time with him and we're amongst the body of Christ and other believers, we recognize that there are standards and there are requirements of followers of, believe, uh, followers of Jesus to follow. There are things that God says, hey, I don't want you living down here anymore. I don't want you living in this darkness or in this sin anymore. Come a little higher. He calls us higher, right? And that's where God calls out our errors and our faults and our issues. But sometimes we get a little wise in church and we think that we've got things figured out. And we say, okay, yeah, I understand that I can't do this. But you know what? There's some things I really love that I don't want people to know about. I don't want them judging me. I don't want them telling me I can't do this. And it becomes a hidden fault in us. We hide it. We say, okay, I can't do it in public, but I know there's certain things I want to continue to do in private. But the word of God says, no, stop, don't do it. But we say, hey, as long as nobody knows, I'm not hurting anybody. And these hidden faults begin to work in us because we love our sin and we think that we have power over it. And we try to hide it so that we can have the best of both worlds. I can come into church. I can still feel his presence. I can still feel his love. I still get to sing. I still get to raise my hands. And then I get to go in secret and do what I'm doing because I still enjoy it and no one knows about it and no one cares. And these hidden faults begin to take root in us. 
And the problem is when at the beginning, when we were in error, we didn't know any better. But hidden faults is because hidden sins, because we we know it's wrong, but we don't want to let it go. David says, who can discern the error only by your word and by your spirit, God? But as you pointed out to us, help me not to have hidden faults. Help me to keep things exposed. Help me to live transparently because I don't want hidden stuff in me. I don't want to live in secret. Because my secret sin isolates me, keeps me away, and it doesn't allow those things to be exposed. See, the power of your sin is only, uh, only remains powerful when it's kept in darkness. But when it's exposed and brought to the light now, it has no more power over you. But the danger of keeping things hidden in our lives is because when we refuse to listen to God's word and we choose to submit our lives to something else other than the word of God and his truth to us, as the psalm says, we are neglecting what the word of God does in us by transforming us. And what does David say in in this psalm, verses 7 through 10, is that the word of God refreshes us. It gives us wisdom, it gives us joy, it gives us direction, it gives us light, it helps us to have a holy reverence and fear of God, it causes us to live in right right living with Him. And we begin to walk in hidden stuff, when we have hidden sin that no one else knows about, all of a sudden we're not as refreshed as we used to be from the Word of God, and worship hits differently. No, No longer are we filled with joy. Now we have some heaviness and we don't know what it exactly is, but I can tell you what it is. It's hidden stuff that's still holding us down. We no longer have a good direction. We're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in life. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I don't know what truth is or what not is because there's something pulling us backwards and we have not submitted our lives to his truth. All of these things that the word of God wants to do in you we could be stopping because we are loving our sin more than his truth. And the dangerous and scary place, uh, this is a dangerous and scary place because it, it, it leads to something else. What does David say? Keep me from having hidden faults because if not, then they will turn into willful sin. Which is, which is a scary place for us and is dangerous because now we are openly sinning against God. And we can come into his presence and we can have a powerful worship service and a powerful move of God and we feel nothing. Because not only now have we said, I like this, I want to keep it. Now we're saying, I'm going to do it regardless of what people say. And it potentially would even... Be exposed if, that you're, 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 you're living in, in sin and you're like, you know what? I'm okay with it. And the danger of living in that kind of sin is that now you don't feel the conviction or the correction of the Holy Spirit because you continue to push him away when he says, don't, you need to stop. See, the Bible, the, the Holy Spirit has, has des- been described to me before as a gentleman. Right? He'll never make you do something you don't want to do. And he'll come and he'll he'll convict you because that's what he that's what he one of his uh, tools that's one of his purposes. He's the great comforter when we need comfort, and he's the one who brings conviction when we need to be convicted of something that is leading us in the wrong direction. Just like a, a father or mother would bring conviction to their child when they're doing something wrong. So I told you not to touch the stove; it's hot. The Holy Spirit is also coming and speaking to you. But you continue to tell the Holy Spirit to leave you alone or slap his hand away when he's trying to teach you something or trying to speak to you. 
Well, eventually, he's going to say, okay, have it your way. He's going to be the burger king. Have it your way. Hold the pickles, hold the lettuce. Hold the salsa, don't let fellas. You can have it your way. Again, not in my notes. Maybe that was also prophetic. I don't know. But you eventually tell the Holy Spirit to leave you alone, and he will. And that's a dangerous, dangerous place for anybody who says they want to be a follower of Jesus to be. And we don't ever want to continue to walk in a, in, in, in a place where we're committing willful sins and there's no conviction of the Holy Spirit. See, willful sins become sins that David says, if I'm not careful, and when you point out my error and I say, I know it's wrong, but I like it. And you like it so much now that you decide to do it no matter who tells you, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. That's not what God has called you to be. And when you become to be willful, all of a sudden it begins to rule over you. It has dominion over you. And the sin that you thought you were in control of now has control over you. And you keep going back to it and back to it. No matter, Even if you hate it, you keep going back to it and back to it. And you hate yourself for it. And you feel dirty and disgusting, and yet you keep going back to it and back to it. Because the Holy Spirit has been calling it out in you and having people around you saying, hey, let's go higher. We can do this. God is calling us to a greater place. You say, no, I, I can't be free now because I just kept going back to it and back to it. It's a, it's a place where you try to stop, but you can't, and you hate it, and you keep going back for more. And this happens, and it, and it takes a, a stronghold, becomes a stronghold in the church stronghold in people who who know Jesus yet they keep going backwards because they they knew it was wrong but they didn't know how to become free from it whether it's drugs or pornography or sex or gluttony and anger whatever it might be lying and stealing you just keep going back because you don't know how to stop you've given it so much and you didn't confess it you didn't seek the help of the Holy Spirit or your brothers and sisters in Christ and now it's taking root in you, even to the point where your heart gets so hard that you become defiant against God and against his spirit. I pray none of us are in this place that we allow our sin now to rule over us because we thought we were just having fun with it in the secret. And now it, it's our master and it tells us what to do. Because David said, if we get to that place where our sin is ruling over us, then it will cause us to, to walk into uh, great transgression. See, transgression is just sin, sin against God. But he's saying this sin, it would become so much that it would be a great one, a great trans trans uh, transgression against God. When you get to that place, you, been begin, you feel nothing. You don't have the fear of the Lord. You don't have his wisdom, certainly. You don't have his joy. You don't have his peace. You aren't refreshed. You're not revived. You're bound up, and you've made excuses, and you say, I'm not bound. And now you, become, you begin to identify with your sin, and that's who you are and not what you do. And it separates you further and further away because now you agree with your master who's ruling over you rather than the spirit of God who is calling you. There's a, uh, there's this um, idea out there, it's an older idea where, where people who have been kidnapped and um, taken from their homes 
uh, can become brainwashed and begin to, to love their captors and trust their captors is called the Stockholm Syndrome. And I feel like there are people in the church or maybe now have left the church because they don't want to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit who identify with their captor more than the, their creator. And they believe this is who I am. This is how I was made. This is how I want to live my life. And they, they've identified with their sin as their identity rather than the, with the one who's called them out of that darkness into his light. And it's a powerful thing for us, church, to, to walk through this and say, you know, am I submitting my life to God's word and allowing it to call out things in me? And when it does, do I listen or do I push it away? What do we do? What can we do? My, my challenge for us, especially as a, a, if you're a new believer in the faith, is to never allow yourselves to get to these hidden faults. I understand that we do. A lot of us love to hide stuff. Even when I was a little kid, man, I'd sneak candy. You ate candy? No, I did not eat candy. There's chocolate around your mouth. Don't know what that is. Could be dirt. Right? We, we learn to hide but God would say, expose it so that it doesn't continue to progress into willful sins that now have rule over you and causes you to have such great transgression that you no longer hear my voice or feel my touch. My challenge for us is to not hide your sin any longer. To confess it, to expose it, and to turn from it. This is what repentance means. Can I have you quickly pull this out? That's what repentance is. It means a turning away from and leaving it in the past behind you. We have to be a people who say, look, we want to be people who, who love Jesus and believe that, that his word is truth and his life. And we're not content with just going through the motions and continue to be bound up with stuff that God has already set us free from. Which was part of my message from last week. That Jesus defeated the giant that we could not. That he defeated sin in our lives and yet you continue to go back into sin thinking that it still has power over you when you have now a choice if you are in Christ to live differently. And I would hope that we would be able to be a people who are willing to humiliate ourselves so that we could walk in the truth of Jesus. Now, it is important who we confess to. We don't just go up and tell random strangers, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Because they'll be like, oh, sweet, let me post that on my social media platforms. Because <laughs> I didn't like you anyway, right? We are wise about it, but we do need to understand that there are certain things that we need to confess. First, we need to confess it to the Lord. Some of us are unwilling to even confess our sin to him. We'll just say, ah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that. But, but that's not repentance. Saying I'm sorry is not repentance. You just feel bad. Repentance is saying I, can't, I can no longer go there anymore. Help me live differently. Turn me from this. Right? So confess it to him. But also there are things that, that, that bind us up that we need help walking in deliverance. We need help walking in freedom. Some things that we get tangled up with are too strong for us. 
in our, in our physical bodies, chemical reactions that we have and other things that will continue to pull us back into things that we want to be set free from. And in those moments, we need to get help. We need to say, hey, can you help me? Whether, whether that's counseling or professional or just a brother and sister in Christ who know you know that they love Jesus more than they love you because they're willing to tell you the truth even if it hurts a little. And find those people and, and be honest and transparent and say, hey, there's some stuff that I've been hiding. I don't want to hide it anymore. I don't want this secret sin anymore. I don't want this to keep, keep pulling me back in because I think I'm in charge now. But eventually I know by, through the word of God you reveal that eventually I'll get to a place where I'm no longer in charge of it. And it's just pulling me along. And the enemy's pulling my strings. We have to get to a place that we're willing to say, I turn to Jesus, even if I have to be humiliated in the process. Even if I have to, that's what, that's what humility is. It's being humiliated. We're willing to be humble enough to say, I do not have it all together. And I need Jesus. Amen. I know this is a heavy word for us, but this is a, what God is speaking to us. He's calling us to, to greater places of influence. But he's saying, if you're going to come here, I don't want this junk to continue to have root in you. Because I've been wrestling a lot with, with, with men and women of God who continue to fall into their sin because they never cut it off before he, he could have put them on a platform. They never, they, never, they never handled it in a place before or they didn't continue to submit their lives and walk in humility. And they get to a place of influence and now all of it comes crumbling down because there was hidden sin that they allowed to continue as they hidden it. My heart, and I pray your heart, is that we would not live in willful, willful dis disobedience to God's word. If you know something's a sin and you continue to do it, it will eventually rule over you and your heart will become hard to the things of God and moving of the spirit. And we can't, we can't do it. So there's something that maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe there's something that you're, you're, you're still doing. And you know, I don't even have to name it. You know what it is. Don't justify it in your heart. You know the word of God speaks against it. You know that the community of uh, uh, the body of Christ says, no, we know that this is not right for people to do. Don't continue to make excuses and say, well, I'm just a different person or I'm more mature than that or it's not going to be a hang up for me. No, be careful. Because you're hiding something that, that will eventually begin to rule over you. So we need to get rid of it. And how do we do that? We come to the rock and to the Redeemer, who is Jesus. This is how David concludes this psalm. In verse 14, he says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. May it be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. He's saying that these words that I speak and the things that are in my heart uh, help me to make sure they match up. So I'm not saying one thing and doing another. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing, be acceptable in your sight. O Lord God, my rock and redeemer. See, this morning, I want to say that there, if you are in Christ, 
there is no condemnation for you. What's the difference between condemnation and conviction? Conviction says, hey, you're doing something wrong. Let's call it out and let's, let's change it. Condemnation says you're doing something wrong and it's too late. You're going to hell. We condemn you to punishment. There is no condemnation. There is no damnation if you are in Christ in this moment. But he would say there is conviction here. Let me speak to you so that you don't continue to go down this path that will lead to condemnation. That will lead to damnation. That will lead to punishment. That you would be convicted of our sin, but we would understand that we're not condemned to, to remain in it because there is freedom in Jesus today. Amen? So there is no shame or condemnation this morning. There is only the opportunity to submit your heart and your life to the moving of the Holy Spirit and God's word in us that brings us freedom so that we can fully know God more and more. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it.